Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. to see you this morning. Welcome. Look at your neighbor and say, you look really good today. And the other person that you wasn't quite sure, say, you're okay. All right, just let them feel that. So glad you're here today. Wow, first service was so awesome, man, packed out, and people gave their heart to the Lord and changed their life, and, and I know today's going to be a great day, and thanks to Ashley for helping me teach about shame today and getting beyond that, so a lot of transitions happening there. If you have your Bible or it's on your cell phone, your iPad, however you have it, let's uh, say what we always say, make our confession. Are you ready? Let's say it. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Stories told of a a man who went to the Holy Land with his wife and his mother-in-law. And tragically, while they were there, his mother-in-law died of a sudden heart attack. So they went to see the uh, undertaker, and the undertaker said, well, there's two options. For $5,000, you can fly her back to the United States, or for $500, we have a nice burial plot here, and we can do a great uh, ceremony, and I think she would really enjoy that. To, uh, to the, uh, the family would really enjoy that. And so to the wife's surprise, the husband said, no, we're not going to bury her here. Uh, we'll fly her back. And he said, are you sure? Now, it's $5,000 compared to $500. He said, no. He said, we'll fly her back. He said, because I heard a story about a man who died 2,000 years ago, and three days later he rose, and I'm not taking any chances. Hey, reach in the chair in front of you and take out a connection card like this. And if you're on the front row, just hold your hand over and somebody behind you will give you one. We do, uh, on Easter, we do an annual Easter survey. So uh, go ahead and reach in there and get one and get your pen out. So if your neighbor didn't reach for one, just go ahead and get one. They probably don't know uh, how to follow directions. Uh, They're probably a graduate of the University of Florida. So... uh, Anyway, oh, I'm sorry, Alabama. Chris is not in here, so I can say Alabama. Anyway, take out the card, and uh, we all fill out one of these on Easter especially because there's a couple of things that we do. First of all, it gives us a chance that if your address has changed, you can fill that out. Go ahead and start filling out the front of that um, if you're male or female, and if you don't know, uh, we've got several doctors here that might help you. if you're married or single, uh, first-time guests, up, you need to update the information. And then on the back, this is really important for me. On the back, it says, uh, whether this is your first time or your regular tender, we'd love your feedback. I'd like to hear, this is you, I'd like to hear a teaching on what the Bible says about, or I'm interested in hearing more about these themes. We, um, we usually lay out, we pray and lay out our sermon series an entire year in advance. In fact, we've got everything already laid out to the uh, beginning of January for this year. We spend a lot of time praying, seeking God. And uh, so sometimes we say, hey, what is the subject area that you're dealing with? What are you dealing with? And so it may not be a sermon series that we do, but we may be able to do a class or get some information to help you. So it helps us. People say, well, I'd just soon for you to seek God and whatever God tells you, that's what you should teach. Well, trust me, I will. 
all right? I'll do that. And we do that. We spend a lot of time as, as a staff. We're getting away in another couple of weeks, and we're praying, and we're fasting, and asking God. Here's what I find, that as we plan a year in advance, there may be some national emergency that happens during that week, and our sermon series goes right along with that because God is so neat of how that he does those. But if you have an area or a theme or something you would like, please... Um, Please just put that on there, all right? At the end of the service, we'll drop this in the offering bucket as the ushers come by to receive your tithe and offering. Down the bottom, it says, the next step on my spiritual journey. We're, always, we're all moving on a spiritual journey. Maybe today you say, you know, it's to get closer to God or to start a new beginnings. We have a brand new class that will start, um, that will start next uh, 9 o'clock next week. I've just written a new little pamphlet called New Beginnings, and I recorded the, uh, the teaching. And what it is, it's a class for people who are just starting their spiritual journey, just giving their heart to the Lord or rededicating their heart to the Lord. Every Sunday at 9 o'clock, it'll be back in the uh, growth track room, and it's a chance for you to do this one class. It's only one class. Uh, one of the pastors will be back there at the very beginning to meet you, congratulate you on your journey, and it's called the New Beginning. So I really, uh, maybe that's something you want to do, or be baptized, or get into the growth track. The growth track is every first, second, third, and fourth Sunday of the month and helps you discover your purpose and how you fit here at the Father's house or you become part of a life group. So if you do that, go ahead and fill that out. And in just a minute, when we receive the tithe and the offering, if you would drop that in, I really would appreciate that. And thank you so very much. I, um, I, I was thinking this week about how that we all face what I call information overload. Would you say that? Information overload. And we got more information today than ever before. You know, we got, we got Google, we got Snapchat, Facebook, Messenger, Twitter, texting, email. The average American on cable TV has 189 cable channels to choose from. If you have satellite radio, you have over 1,000 channels. And that's a lot of information, a lot of information, a lot of information. Now, I don't know what kind of email person you are. I checked my emails a little while ago, and I have 750 emails, all right? I know some of you, you're twitching, all right. You just, you, you, you finish out your emails. So I tell people all the time, you know, if you want to send an email, you better send it to Maggie because I may not check my emails for like two or three weeks. And if I do, I usually go down there, delete, 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 delete. And Anita says, but you might get a very important email, and, and I say, yeah, yeah, maybe, but I got like 700, so how am I going to, look, let me, let me just check, see how many wonderful people we have are like my, my people today. How many of you, you right now, I mean, everything on your, on your emails are deleted, you are at zero emails and zero text, raise your hand. Sorry. How many of my people are here? That you got a lot of emails and a lot of texts and a lot of messages that you haven't read. Thank you for coming today. Man, I feel better that you're here today. But I do know, and I have missed, I had somebody the other day say, did you get my email? And so I'm thinking, I can't lie, right? I'm in church especially, I can't lie. Um, well, what was it about? And uh, luckily, I did see that, that email. But I'm thinking so many times, because we have such an amount of information that we can lose maybe something important in the midst of all the information, information overload that we have. And I think it's the same thing about Easter. We have Easter overload. I mean, think about it. Peeps, chocolate bunnies, eggs, egg roll hunt, helicopter candy drop, Easter bonnets, Easter suits, Easter ham, Easter bread. Uh, what else do we have? Bunny, Easter bunny, we got all those. And in the midst of all of that Easter overload, we can miss what it's all about. The one thing, the one thing that it's about that changes everything is the resurrection of Jesus. Here's what Paul says. Look at the screen. I love this passage. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 9. The first thing, say the first thing. The first thing I did was place before you what was placed so emphatically before me. 
that the Messiah died for our sins exactly as the Scripture tells us, that he was buried, read the next part, that he was raised from death on the third day, again, exactly as the Scripture says. And then it says he was presented himself alive to Peter, then the closest followers, and later on more than 500 of his followers at the same time, and most of them are still around. Well, that's a long time ago, so most of them died, okay? So they're died. Although a few have died since. Well, I think all of them have. That he spent time with them, and he goes on, and he talks, talks about that. And, and here's the amazing thing. I think most of us today know the what of Easter. You, you know that it's about the resurrection of Jesus. Had Jesus lived and talked about God and died, he would be no different than any other great religious philosopher. Uh, Muhammad. Uh, he had a lot of great words about God. But when he died, you can find his body in the city of Medina. Buddha, when he died, they cremated him and sprinkled his ashes in different monuments around the world. But if you go to Sri Lanka that Anita talked about a few minutes ago, there's a temple there. It's called the Temple of the Tooth. And guess what you'll find there? One of Buddha's tooth. There. You'll, you'll find that. Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism is buried in the Smith Family Cemetery in Nauvoo, Illinois. Had Jesus only come, talked about God, and not rose from the dead the way that he said, then he would be no different than any other. But I'm telling you, when a dead man is walking, it's hard to ignore what he says. And that man got up from dead and he started walking and he told us the truth about God and about life. The resurrection is not just an event, it is a person. Jesus said this, John 11 and 25, read it with me. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So you say, yeah, I know. Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus. That's the what. But here's what I want to talk to us today about is why. Why is that even important? Why is it important that we celebrate Easter? Yeah, I'm going to tell you why. Because for whatever you're experiencing and for whatever you're going through, his power changes everything and brings deliverance for you. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Look at it. It's, it's there in your notes, Romans 8 and 11 from the passage, Passion Translation. Yes, God raised Jesus to life, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Here's what he says. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, if you're a believer, if you believed in Jesus, that same power lives in you. Say that same power lives in me. Think about that. Think, the same power that raised Jesus from dead lives in you. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a lot of power in you. You got a lot of power in you. That same power lives in you. So in this series, it's called This Changes Everything, which is the resurrection. And the why is because that power is available in all of us that no matter what struggles you're going through, you can have your life changed. Today, I want to talk about one that's called shame. We've all experienced shame at one time or another. Next week, I'm going to talk about guilt. How do you get rid of guilt? Some of you carried guilt. You've been carrying guilt since, since, since a child. Uh, the, the difference in guilt and shame, just real quickly, is guilt is saying, I did something wrong. I did something wrong. That's guilt. But shame takes what I did wrong, and it becomes my identity. It's not, I did something wrong, but I am wrong. I did something shameful, but it's, I am shameful. I did something that was a loss, but I'm a loser. I failed in that area. I failed in that area, and I'm a failure. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is the very next thing there in your notes. Shame. This is the definition of shame. Shame is the deep sense that you are inherently flawed, unacceptable, and unworthy of love, because of three things, and I'll give you those three things. Look at that again. Shame. And there's a lot of you today that's carrying shame. 
Because you're identifying with something that you've done wrong with who you are. Shame is that deep sense that you are inherently flawed, unacceptable, and unworthy of love because of three things. First of all, because if you're notes, you can write, taking notes, you can write this down. You feel flawed because of something you've done. Something you've done. You're sitting here this morning. You say, yeah, I, I, I did that. Maybe it's a secret addiction that you have. And, and because of that addiction, you say this morning, I, I'm, a, I'm a horrible person. Or maybe it's something in your past. And it's something there, and as you're sitting here today, you say, you know what, I, I would be a great person if I didn't do this in my past. Or maybe even sometimes we judge other people around us and say, we put the shame on them. You see, shame is not only something that we inherently have ourselves, but sometimes people, teachers, preachers, parents, kids, try to put shame on us by saying, yeah, that, that's who you are because you did me wrong. And sometimes it's not only that, but sometimes it's because of things that we didn't do. You know, I, 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 I tried to be a business person. I tried to be a good husband. I tried to be a good wife. I tried to be a good parent. I tried to do good in school. And then you, you, you failed at that. So instead of just saying, yeah, I failed, then you begin saying, I'm a failure. I'll never measure up. Some of you, your parents never once told you, I'm proud of you. It seemed like you'd make good grades and you'd have all A's and you'd have one B. And as soon as it's like radar, they'd just go in on beep, beep, beep on the B. Say, you need to bring that up. And you're thinking, but what about all the other five A's that I worked my tail off to get? So what happens? We began then to take those things that we do wrong and we began to make what we did wrong become our identity because of things that we have done in the past. Listen, if it's your first time to be with us here at the Father's house today, let me just help you to just be relaxed a little bit. Just look to your left, look to your right, look all around, and you know what you'll find here today? A bunch of screwed up people. I mean, a bunch of messed up people. And the biggest one you're looking at right here, you can see me here and on those two screens, all right? Thankfully, not three, all right? So, so we're all like that. But we've got to be careful that we don't allow things that went wrong in our life become to identify who we are. There are things in ministry that I've tried and I didn't do real well. And I could just simply say, oh, I'm a failure. God can never use me. I'm a failure. No, I just learned in that one area, that's not my strength. That's not something that I can, do, do, are you understand what I'm saying? It, it's something you've done. Or second of all, it's something done to you. I, I saw an article the other day about a church that launched a website called mysecret.tv. And a person could go on and anonymously confess to uh, things that have, was done wrong to them in their life. And they could ask for prayer. As I began to read through some of those gut-wrenching confessions, I ran across this one from a little nine-year-old girl. She was older now, but this is what she said. I was raped when I was nine. And for some time, I messed around with other boys sexually. And I'm ashamed of this. And I've only told two people about the rape. I know I was just a child. But it still makes me think I'm a horrible person because of what I did. And I feel dirty, and I don't think anyone could ever really love me. So it's not only shame because of something we did wrong. Sometimes it's shame because of things that was done wrong to us. The third thing is, it's just something that's associated with us. Uh, you know, people uh, that are divorced, maybe sometimes with multiple divorces, feel that shame. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm divorced. I'm, I'm, I'm secondhand. I'm thirdhand, fourth. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a failure in that area of my life. I, I'm divorced. 
Or a person maybe in an automobile accident that their face was disfigured and everywhere they go, the first thing people see is their face. Or uh, people or young kids are always pointing at them. And so, so we, we feel that shame uh, because of something that's associated with us. Or uh, maybe that you are handicapped or maybe you are a prisoner. Listen, shame says, listen to this, please hear my heart this morning. Shame says, I am defective, I am damaged, I am broken, I am flawed, I am a failure, I am ugly, I am impure, I am unlovable, I am worthless, I am disgusting, and I am unwanted. Some of you here today, as soon as I said one of those words, it jumped in the heart. I don't have to say to you today, are you sitting here and do you feel shame? You know it. And as, as soon as I read one of those words, you said, yep, that's me. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you today because he wants you to know it's not an accident that you're here today. It's on purpose. God wanted you to hear that because he wants you to know his resurrection changes everything. You may have come in today with your head hanging low with shame, but you can leave out here knowing that he took my shame and I can live shameless today in his love. The resurrection changes everything. So where did shame come from? God didn't create shame. In the Garden of Eden, there was no shame. Look at this, Genesis 2 and 25. Now the man and his wife were both naked, read it with me, but they felt, say no shame, no shame. They weren't shame. You accept me the way I am. I accept, I accept you the way you really are. You know, you look, you look fine. You know, you're just, that's, that's Adam saying, I mean, just... It's like today, it's Easter, it's a holiday, whatever, and Anita wore a dress. I said, you look fine. <laughs> Just saying. I digress. Where was I? At least I woke up Uncle Billy Bob back there who was half asleep. In the Garden of Eden, before sin, there was no shame. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could post Garden of Eden because of the resurrection who changes everything. And we could say because of him. There's no shame. No shame. But look what happens when they sin. Genesis 3, 7 through 12. At that moment after they sinned, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig, sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing... The man and his wife heard the Lord walking in the garden, so they did what? They hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to them, where are you? And he said, I re you were walking in the garden, so I was afraid. Look at that. I was afraid. Now fear is there. I was afraid. Sin comes in. I'm afraid because I'm naked. I feel shamed. Don't look at me, God. I got to hide from you. Isn't it amazing you're trying to hide your nakedness from God today? Like, don't look at me, God. Look at everybody else, but don't look at me. No, he sees you. He sees you. God said, who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you? Shame always follows this pattern. First of all, you experience shame from an intense, painful event. Whatever that is, something you did wrong, something somebody did to you, something that's associated with you, and so you experience shame. The second thing, after we feel shameful, we begin to respond by trying to cover up. We try to run. We try to hide. It's like all the people sitting in the back of the church this morning trying to hide. No, I'm sorry. I just had to take a poke at you. Uh, it's the people in the middle that are hiding because you can't even get to them where they are. But it's amazing how many times we even come to church and, 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 and we try to hide. Adam and Eve sewed some fig leaves together and then later God had to make a sacrificial lamb and to make clothes for them that would last. But I wonder how many times do we do the same thing? Maybe we don't sew fig leaves together, but we pick up something like a spiritual uh, plant that we carry in front of us. And as soon as we get out of our car and come into church, we reach in and we grab that spiritual plant that we can hide behind. And when you walk in, somebody says, hi, how are you today? Fine. Have a good week? It's good. 
but we're going to stay behind that plant because we're so afraid that if I let this plant down and I let you see me as I really am, if, if you knew what I've done, if you knew who I am, you wouldn't love me. So we throw the, we throw the plant out. And so we won't get in a life group because if you get in a life group, we say it's a safe place to just be you. In a life group, we say to people, you, you, can, you can let your guard down. You know, if you've been a real rascal, you can just say you've been a real rascal last week. And you know what? We're not going to judge you. We're not going to make you feel bad. You see, that's the value of belonging to a church that doesn't care where you've been. We just care where you're going. So I don't know where you've come from today, but I want to tell you this. We don't care where you've been. We just care where you're going today. And you're leaving out of shame and guilt and condemnation. So we experience that. Then we try to cover up. And then we begin to believe that lie, that that's who we are. And then we're trapped in this thing of shame. Look at this in your notes and write this down. When our past pain becomes our present identity, the shame cycle has claimed yet another victim. When our past pain becomes our present identity, then shame cycle has claimed somebody else. Let me give you this. Let me give you the one point today. I don't have a pointless message. I got one point. Here it is. This changes everything. The point today is that you can be released from shame if you believe on Jesus and the resurrection. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, uh, beginning at verse 9. Romans 10 and verse 9. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe. You see that word believe? Now, if you have a spirit-filled study Bible, which I think you should have, and you can get one out in the resource, it tells you there in your, in your notes what that word believe means. It means pissed you o, which means, uh, I'm sorry, some of you, your mind went the wrong way right there. But it's, it's, it's a belief or a trust and acknowledging a personal obedience to God. It's not just saying, well, I believe in Jesus and then you live any screwy way you want to live. You see, don't mistake his grace for approval. You say, well, you know, God understands. I know what the Bible says, but God understands, so to be. No, wait a minute. Don't mistake his grace that he may extend to you right now for approval. He does not approve of your life if it's contrary to this book. And furthermore, are you really sure that you're believing in him? Or have you just taken out fire insurance? Well, I'm not going to hell. I prayed that prayer, so I'm not going to hell. I just live like I'm in hell right now. No, no there's, there's more to that. It says that if you believe in your heart that the Lord God raised him from the dead. In other words, you ever think about that? You'll be saved? You ever think about what he's saying? He said if you, if you believe the resurrection, that, that's in essence what he's saying. If you pray and say, I believe in the resurrection, that's what it says. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's just simply saying, I believe in the resurrection. Why? Because the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. It says, for with your heart one believes unto righteousness, and with your mouth confession is made to salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. You say, well, how can I get rid of this today? You believe on him. You, you trust him. You invite him into your life, verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He took our sin and shame on the cross. The Romans crucified Jesus totally naked. And it wasn't up on a huge cross way up there. The Romans crucified on the roadside people at eye level. Jesus was just a foot or two off the ground and uh, along the side so that a person could walk along and they could spit. See, we see all these pictures and movies about there. You need to make a trip with us to the Holy Land and find out how it's really done when we go back in a couple of more years. But he wasn't, it wasn't up high. It was eye level. Why? Because they were saying to people, first of all, they were naked. I want you to see the humiliation and the shame. Jesus didn't carry shame 
that was his, he carried my shame and your shame. For that shame that you've been worried about, he hung there naked. He hung there in that shame so that you wouldn't have to leave here today with that shame in your life. And second of all, so that people could spit on them. You ever think about that? How are they going to spit on them if they're like 10 feet in the air? No, they were almost eyeball to eyeball. And to spit on them is shame and all of that. Look, here's something you need to look at. Read this with me. Hanging naked in his innocence, he was clothed with our sin, that we in our guilty nakedness may be clothed with his righteousness. That's a good thing to pull your camera out there and take a picture of that and remember that one, all right? Let's read it again. Hanging naked in his innocence, he was clothed with our sin. live a shameless life. He took your past, your insecurity, your fear, your guilt, your condemnation so that you could leave today changed because this changes everything. What is it for you? I want you to hear um, Chris Nation's story. Chris is our student ministries director. I want you to hear how um, the Lord changed his life and what he did. So watch this. My name is Chris Nation, and this is my story. Uh, it starts out at a really young age. I kind of started down the wrong path. Um, four years old, you know, my mom and dad split up, and I stayed with my dad. He was uh, he was a really good man, but he worked all the time. He was a hard worker. He was a truck driver, so he was gone a lot. And um, my brothers and sisters were a lot older, so they weren't necessarily around all the time, so that kind of put me uh, being with a babysitter a lot. Uh, and we lived in the country. Uh, we, you know, we farmed and stuff like that, so uh, it's not like we lived in a neighborhood where there was a lot of people to babysit me and stuff, so I got, I had to uh, stay with neighbors a lot and, and different people, and, and um, my, one of my first memories uh, was one particular babysitter I had, um, they smoked weed, you know, drank and stuff like that. And one of my earliest childhood memories, other than my dad and my mom splitting up, was uh, getting high for the first time. Uh, I hadn't even started kindergarten yet. And uh, Back then, you know, I thought it was fun. I thought it was cool. You know, I was hanging out. I was always with older people. There was no kids in my neighborhood. And uh, so the, one of my earliest childhood memories is actually following a school bus because I wasn't old enough to, to go to school yet. <laughs> and uh, being high <laughs> and following the school bus, as crazy as that sounds. And uh, it just kind of evolved from that. You know, by the time I was six, I was uh, I was running weed in my backpack on a bicycle because I could go uh, and see people without being suspicious, uh, and and nobody ever thought anything about it. So I kind of kind of started that lifestyle at a really really young age, and it continued through school. Um, I was a normal kid, got along with everybody. Uh, the only difference between me and the other grammar schoolers was, you know, I may be high at school and, <laughs> and they weren't. Um, and it continued through junior high, uh, high school. Um, it just, that's, it was just normal to me. I, I really didn't think anything about it. I always knew to keep my mouth shut about it, never told anybody. Of course, when you're in high school, there's a few more people that may know about it. You know, you develop friendships and stuff in high school and other kids start experimenting. Uh, the main difference between me and the other kids in high school, you know, I played football, you know, did everything else like normal kids. Um, the biggest difference was I was a, a kid with really good connections in the drug game. <laughs> right when I got out of high school, I had been dating a girl since the 11th grade. and. Um, and she had gotten pregnant. So uh, I went to work right out of high school, uh, still dabbling in, in drugs and stuff. Uh, the only difference now is uh, meth became really popular. 
in my neighborhood at that time, and uh, I was uh, I was in the forefront of it. I went to work in the trailer plants um, and was selling to uh, people in the trailer plants, um, and I was good at what I did. I mean, I was a dealer first and an employee second, and I was really good at it. I never got in trouble. Uh, people never really got suspicious of me at work and stuff. Now, family knew better because uh, they just knew me. Uh, and my wife's parents, my ex-wife's parents and stuff, they knew what was, what was going on, but uh, nobody could really prove anything. So I continued on with that and wound up uh, leaving that job and really just started dealing full-time. I always told myself, you know, Chris, you can, you're going to do this until you get in trouble. And uh, then you're going to quit. I always told myself, I'm not going to jail over this. I'm going to quit before I go to jail. So, so I thought that's what I was going to do. Well, I wound up um, having a little run-in with the police. And um, got you know got out of that. Really wasn't anything big. And uh, but a while later, um, I was at a friend's house, and this was on the decline. This is when uh, you know at that at that time, I was already working my way out of everything, but not settled, not really ready to settle down just yet. And uh, because I enjoyed, I just enjoyed selling. I mean, I'm not even gonna lie about it. it, it I had a lot of fun, it was fun. Uh, I had a lot of good times doing it and uh, until they started becoming bad times. And um, one night I got a phone call from, from uh, somebody that, uh, that I sold to and this guy owed him money. And, um, and I knew the guy that owed him money and, and he always wanted to, uh, to talk to me, but I never would have anything to do with him. I just didn't trust him. And uh, this guy, he, he owed this guy money that I was friends with, and uh, somehow he got my phone number, and he called me. And when he called me, I went off. And uh, I, I cussed him up, up one side and down the other, and uh, you know, I really, I laid into him, man. And I let him know when I caught him out, uh, it was on, and, and he knew it. So what I didn't know at the time was that guy was on speakerphone. Uh, he was trying to act, you know, like he was somebody, you know, and uh, um, I really don't know what his deal was. I didn't know the guy that good. But that weekend, like the next day, somebody killed that guy. Somebody, you know, shot him and killed him. And um, the police were questioning people, and my name comes up, and the next thing I know, I'm a suspect in a murder investigation that I didn't know anything about. And uh, people start calling me, hey, the cops have been here looking for you, man. Uh, they think you killed this guy. And because the people they were talking to was like, yeah, you should have heard him. I mean, he was on the phone, so it's just that easy to uh, fall into a serious situation that you don't know anything about, don't even really know the guy. Um, just, uh, it's just that simple to almost lose your life, uh, spending the rest of your life in jail. I look back now and I can see where God had his hand on me every day of my life. I can see it. Um, and you know it's a it's a bitter pill to swallow because I thought he had turned his back on me, but he didn't. He was right there all along. And uh, you know, looking back now, it's like how could I be so stupid and so blind, and how could I do the things I did? Um, how could I bring shame on myself and my family like I did? Um, but I tell you what, God is a good God, man. And uh, he's a God of second chances. He's a God of third chances. Um, you know, and you can't outrun him. And his grace is sufficient. All I really can tell you, I can't explain it, 
Um, all I know to say is that I don't know and I don't care how far you've been in life. I don't care what you've done. Uh, I don't care how you did it. I don't know many people that has had that has done some of the things that I've done. I, I didn't I didn't tell you everything in my testimony. I mean there's I skipped a lot of stuff and let me tell you, it doesn't matter how far you've ran, how far out there you've got. Um, it doesn't matter what you've done. You've never, you're never going to run further than God can reach and pull you back in. Um, I am living proof of the grace and mercy of God uh, because I shouldn't be here. Uh, I, sh I should be dead, really, or, or in prison, uh, but I'm not, and uh, that's, I'm living proof of what God can do in your life if you just allow Him. Uh, sometimes you just got to let go and let God, and that's what I did, and uh, it was the best decision I've ever made. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've been made whole, basically, is, is I guess the point of everything is uh, when you put Christ in the center of your life and make him the focal point, all these things are going to fall into place. And it wasn't easy. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, sick, sitting here talking about it, it, it may have made it sound easy. No, there was growing pains through all this. Uh, there was ups and there was downs. Um, but... It was a process, and I'm still in process. Uh, you know, and that's, I guess, how I would describe myself today is, is a work in progress. Um, but I'm in the right direction, and you always got to keep moving. You always got to keep moving. Uh, if, it, you know, if if you're not moving anymore, you shouldn't be dead. You, that that should be the only reason you're not trying to move forward in something anymore. And uh, that's how I live my life now. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a new lease on life. Uh, I'm happy. Uh, it's not all uh, sunshine and rainbows and unicorns or whatever, but man, I tell you, I'm not where I was. And I'm, I'm never going back there again. <laughs> God's got his hand on my life, and I see it every day. And I would just say that to uh, all of you out there. Don't give up because God isn't giving up. I don't care um, what your son's doing or your daughter's doing. Um, keep praying for them. Keep praying for those family members, for those friends, uh, for your loved ones because they're never too far uh, for God to reach out and grab them. I know he plucked me up from the flames of hell. I'll just be honest with you. And, you know... People don't understand why I'm always uh, laughing or making a joke. I get on people's nerves because I'm always joking around. But you know what, man? It's because you don't know where I've been. <laughs> it's because you don't know where I've been. But I do. And I thank God every day that I'm not there anymore. Um, so yeah, I laugh and cut up a lot because I've seen I've seen dark times. I've seen a lot of times when there wasn't there wasn't any sunshine, and uh, so that's why I'm happy all the time. I'm not where I was, and I thank God for that every day. And that's my story. <laughs> speaking to some of you this morning. Second, First Peter 2 and 24 says, He himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live to righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his woundings. 
all of our sins. Little ones, big ones. And as Ashley painted here, that in regards to what shame you have, the cross makes all the difference. And that's some of you that are here today. I was talking to Chris last week or after, after we did this, and thanks to Andrea, she took about an hour of tape and got it down to that, and it's hard to even cut there because there's so many great things. But I asked him, I said, can you imagine, Chris, if you were one degree off? One degree off, one day longer. He said, yeah, I might be dead or spend my life in prison. And that's like some of you. You think, man, it's Easter. I've got forever. We were with Evander Holyfield last week at the uh, Better Man Conference. He tells a story of uh, God laid on his heart before one of his fights that he had in Vegas. He knew Tupac, the rapper. I know some of you older people don't know who he was, but he's a rapper, all right? Younger people know. He said God laid on his heart, and he knew that Tupac was coming to the fight. And he said, I called him and asked him to come in the room right before I went out. He said, I told him, look, you're living your life wrong. You're away from Jesus. You know Jesus. You need to get your life straight. And he said, Tupac said, yeah, I know you're right. I know you're right. And I'm thinking about it. I, I, I know you're right. I, I need to change. Nothing changed in the, in the locker room. Evander Holyfield said it was the next day or the day after that Tupac was shot and killed. As far as he knew, never made a change in his life. And with all the earnestness in my heart today, I would say to you, don't turn away his grace and his mercy as he's speaking to your heart today. The enemy would say, oh, you got it covered. You got it. You can do whatever you want. Look, Chris did whatever he wanted. He turned around, you know, look, this person, that person. But for every one Chris, I could show you one. I could show you 100 people that didn't make it. Would you bow your heads for just some private time for yourself? Just yourself. Let me remind you, he was forsaken so that you could be accepted. He was embarrassed so that you wouldn't have to hide your shame anymore. He was beaten so that you could be healed. He died so that you could live. And he rose again so that you could have freedom. This changes everything. I know it's Easter. I know we've got a lot to do, and it's exciting. It's wonderful. But I also know there are some of you that are here today that are simply saying, you know what? Shame is in my life big time. Because of things that I did, things that were done to me, or things I'm associated with, and I sure would like to get rid of that shame. And there are also some of you that are here today that you would just simply say, you know, I, I know about Easter. I know about God. I've gone to church almost every Easter in my life. But I also know I'm not right with God. I know my relationship is not right. And I know I'm on a path like Chris was. And if I don't make a change, I don't have much hope. In just a minute, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to do something very honest and very brave, but life-changing. Just a minute, if you'll say, you know what, Terry, I, I, I need to make a decision. Or you say, you know what, Terry, I'm just too complicated. It's too complicated. I, no, look, the devil makes it complicated. Jesus made it easy. He said, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised me from the dead. Believe. So today... If that's you, and you would say, either I want to get rid of the shame, or second of all, I want to make a fresh start, a new beginning today. I want to say yes to Jesus. Would you raise your hand right now? Make eye contact with me. Let me pray with you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you over here. Thank you. Just raise your hand and just, just say, yeah, that's me. Thank you in the back here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Say, well, I'll just, I'll just do it on my own. No, you need to do it while the Lord is speaking to you. Today's the day. 
Yeah, that's me. That's me today, Terry. I need to do that. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Others, just raise your hand, those of you that are watching online. Would you pray this prayer with me along with the 10 or 12 that raised their hand? Pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I believe the resurrection changes everything. As best as I know how, I want to serve you. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Church, would you give the Lord a hand clap for those who made that decision today? In just a moment, we're going to receive our tithe and our offering, and I'm going to ask you to take that connection card and drop it in the bucket as the ushers bring it by, except those of you back over here, here, over here, here, and here that raised your hand and over here. Don't drop that card in there, but bring it outside to the next steps table. Come out there. I have a book that I want to give you. If you don't have a Bible, give you a Bible. You just have to drop by there. You don't have to take time. And uh, they'll tell you a little bit about the New Beginnings class that starts next, month, next Sunday at 9 o'clock. I'd really encourage you to be there. But the ushers are coming. We return the tithe and honor God with our offerings and loving Him with our giving today. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord, receive our tithe and offerings as an expression of our love and obedience to you. We thank you, Lord, for all you have given us. You are the provider of all things. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of our financial needs. Help us to be good stewards of all you have given us that we might give into your kingdom and to promote the truth of the gospel throughout the earth. Amen. Amen. The ushers are passing the, the buckets. If uh, There's a giving envelope in front. If you want to take that, you can drop it in this week. Let me just mention uh, just a couple of things. I'm going to bless you this morning in just a minute, so don't rush out. But our prayer team is coming down front. They'll be down front as we dismiss if you need prayer. I know some of you are carrying a heavy load of shame, and you need somebody to agree with you and to pray with you today. Thank you for coming. If you're a first-time guest, I want to be sure to meet you out on the plaza. And uh, come and be with us next week. It's going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing week as God is going to speak. This changes everything, changes everything. Would you stand? Let me release a blessing over you today. Would you just raise your hands and let me bless you? I bless you today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless you with His forgiveness and His peace and His joy. I bless you with hope for whatever hopeless situation that you are facing. I bless you today with the thought that He loves you and He has a great purpose for your life more than anything that you can ever imagine forever. And here's what I know. As we leave today, we want to love God, we want to help people, and we want to build the kingdom. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Our prayer team is down front to pray with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Easter. church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.